If you have your Bible, you can grab it. Turn it to Matthew chapter 26. I think I could have laid on the stage the rest of the service time, to be honest. then I'd had some of you looking at me like I'm crazy. So I thought, ah, I better get up. If that's the case, don't go to a Heidi Baker conference or Todd White. They'll lay on the stage. But the power of God falls. I promise you that. So we're going to read Matthew 26, verse 40 and 41. And this is talking about Jesus. And, and this is what it says. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, this is Jesus. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to give his life as a living sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. That in him all, all mankind can be made right with God. Through him we can be in right standing with our heavenly Father. This, this is what he's about to fulfill right here on his life. He's getting ready to go shed his blood to wash away every sin. And he says to Peter, he found them sleeping, and he says to them, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. You couldn't keep watch with me for one hour. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Father, I pray right now that we would understand how your spirit desires to fill us and strengthen us, how your spirit is willing to, to help us fight against the weakness of our flesh, to empower us to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. I pray that, Lord, right now. Impart that to us. Holy Spirit, speak through me to your people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. For your seat to tell your neighbor, say, I want a willing faith. I want a willing faith. Tell them, say, I want a willing faith. So look, today, man, I want to talk to you guys about a, a willing faith, okay? About a willing faith. See, in, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He says, your, he says the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And again, he says this right before he goes to the cross at Calvary. And I was thinking about this, about this statement, because obviously it's pretty important if Jesus is saying it right before he goes to the cross, right? And I was like, and I started to, to, to realize that the second part of that statement where he says, the, your flesh is weak, is universally true. It's true for every single one of us. Every single one of our our flesh, right? Every single one of us have a very weak flesh. And our flesh doesn't want to do what God wants us to do. An interesting thing, John Paul Jackson says it this way. He says, but you can't bind the flesh. You have to beat the flesh down. So, so there's no way to, as your flesh begins to pull you towards the things of this world, there's no way to bind that. You have to beat that into submission. Paul says it this way. I beat my own body, and he's not like some kind of 
whatever that's called, a masochist, right? He's not talking about masochistic stuff. He's saying my flesh, I beat my body, I beat my flesh to make it slave to the spirit, right? See, our, our, our flesh wants to, to do what the, what the world wants us to do. Our flesh don't wanna do what God wants us, wants us to do. And I, I know some of you are like, no, pastor, that's not me. Like, I'm led by the spirit all the time, 24-7, I want the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus all day. I even sleep that way. Amen. And I hear you. And I'd say for most of us, we would like to say that, that we always want the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Um, that's the reason we're here today, right? Is to get closer to God, to, to get closer to Jesus, to, to allow him to, to take us from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory, to, to allow him to, to begin to cut things off of us that are not of him, because that's what he's trying to do in this process of life, trying to rid us of ourselves, rid us of our flesh in order to make us more filled with the spirit. I've said this to you several times. I think I even said it last week. Uh, an evangelist said it this way. God will send no one away empty unless they come already full of themselves. And so this whole process is about God removing our flesh, emptying ourselves of ourselves. Amen. Amen. But see, our, our flesh, man, man, it can be tough. It can be tough, right? Our, our flesh likes to, to do the things that the world tells us to do like there's at times where our flesh literally thinks like man it would feel good to to cuss out the guy who cuts me off in traffic call him number one all the way by and maybe well maybe you're too holy for that I'm not saying I do it I'm saying I feel like it sometimes and the spirit of God in me keeps me from entering into outright sin but but that's what the flesh does. The flesh is trying to pull us to do things that go against God. And man, I don't, I don't know about any of you, but, but I, don't, I don't need fake church. I need real Christianity. This is a real life with real life struggles. And man, I, I'm telling you, just like Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, it's weak. And we've got to understand that these things are pulling, pulling on us. And of course, we should want Jesus with everything within us. Absolutely. I want Jesus with everything that is within me, but there's still a part of me. There's still a part of us that says, but, but I want what I want. I want to do whatever I want to do. There's a part of us that wants that. The issue is, is that rarely lines up with what God wants. What we want rarely lines up it never does in the, in the flesh. You see, there's times where we're like, man, I, I want what I want. I, I want to be wealthy and don't really care how I get wealthy because then my life will become easy. So maybe I'll lie a little, cheat a little, steal a little, manipulate just a little. And then once I get the money and life becomes easy, then I'll, I'll even use the money for the kingdom. And then, you know, then I'll give my life fully to God once I get to that, to that level. See, see at, at times this is this is the way we, we can think. This is how our flesh will try to get us to think, which just isn't real, by the way. There's no way for us to just automatically turn on a dime to say, hey, let me get this much and that much, and then all of a sudden I'll turn it over to, to Christ. It's funny because I, I hear people say, well, I only told a half truth. I'm like, that's not real. You either told the truth or you didn't. Like, There's no half truths in, in life, but... Man, that's what our flesh likes to try to get us to do, to tell half-truths. There's, there's parts of us that, that wants to do what the world is, is telling us to do. 
There's parts of us at times that will literally want to drown our sorrows in a bottle. There's parts of us at different times that want to escape the responsibilities of life by taking a puff or popping a pill, right? We, like we, we just want to get away from it for just a moment, even though we know it's not good for us, even though we know that's not what God has intended for us, but yet this pull of the flesh is so great that, man, we think, oh, maybe that will be better, better for us. And man, we, we are a people who, who know that those types of things does not lead us to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But the reality is life can get so stinking tough at times that we wouldn't mind just running away and forgetting about all that and just doing what keeps constantly pulling, pulling on us. See, see there's, a, there's a part of us that desires to give in to the lust of the flesh. There is, there's parts of us that desires that because the flesh is, is weak. And you know, the Bible, the Bible says this, that the flesh wants what is contrary to the spirit. That's, that's what the word of God says. The flesh wants what's contrary or opposite or in direct opposition of our flesh wants opposite of what God wants for us, Right? And then actually the Bible begins to list all the different things of the flesh so that we have an idea of, of what it's meaning. So it, it lists these different things, things like pornography, things like sex outside of marriage, things like drugs and alcohol, things like anger and frustration, things like gossip. Like literally they have gossip in there as, as one of the things of the of the flesh, even though we don't like to look at those things as being fleshly or against or, or sin. But did you know the Bible says that gossip is the same spirit as witchcraft? Hear me. So we can't be falling into that, that temptation, even though it's, it's, easy, it's easy to do. But things like these, it's funny because the Bible says they're these, but then there's things like these. So in other words, not limited to this one list, but anything that looks like that, that feels that way are things of the flesh. And man, we can very easily be pulled in to those things. You know, I love how, how the apostle Paul says it in Romans chapter seven. It's towards the end of Romans seven. And he says this, he says, man, the things I wanna do, I just can't seem to find myself doing those things. In other words, I really want to live for God. I, I really want to get this thing right. Like I, I really do wanna press into him, but the thing that I wanna do, I can't seem to find myself doing that thing. And then the things that I that I should be doing, I can't find myself doing those things. And isn't that, isn't that so true? There's seasons of life where we're like, man, I know I should, be, I should be in my word right now. Everybody's in bed, but you know what? I wanna watch Netflix and binge Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Like, this is what we do. I know I should be on my knees praying right now, but let me call my girlfriend up or my buddy up and start gossiping about what's happening in the neighborhood. Th these are the things like, we know what the right thing to do is, but yet at times we find ourselves not doing those things. See, Paul understood that his, his spirit was willing, but the flesh was, was weak. There was a part of him that wanted to do the right things that God had called him to. That was pleasing, pleasing to God. But then there was other things. There was another part of him that wanted to do what the 
the flesh wanted him to do. And Paul, he goes on to say, Romans, bottom of Romans 7, over into Romans chapter 8, he goes on to say, this, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this sinful nature of flesh? But thanks be to God, who has set me free by the law of the Spirit, and has set me free from the law of the flesh in Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? See, every single one of us have a weak, weak flesh. But yet the law of the spirit, the spirit is willing. And so the law of the spirit sets us free from the law of the flesh. And see, the scripture says this. It says, be led by the spirit so that you won't gratify the things of the flesh. Be led by the spirit so that you won't gratify the things of the flesh. And see, Jesus knows this, right? Obviously, he is the word of God and become flesh and he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as the glory is the only son of God. Revelation says that Jesus, the name by which he is called is the word of God. And so he knows all of these things, right? And so he says to us and to his disciples, he says, hey, the, the spirit is, is willing, but your flesh is weak. In other words, what he's trying to get across to us is this. He's saying, listen, I have given you my spirit to strengthen you so that you can fight against the weakness of your flesh. That's what my spirit is here to do. And did you know the Bible, the Bible makes this statement? You can do all things. All things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, our, our, our strength is not somewhere within us that we gotta find. Our strength is found in him and him alone, that's it. There's like this really weird uh, movement trying to infiltrate the church right now and it's a humanistic movement. It's like somehow you can find some inner thing to, to, to strengthen you in order to live for God or to strengthen you to get what you want in life. If you just believe it hard enough within yourself, you can get, no, 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 no. No, it's only in him. It's in him that we live, we move, and we have our being. Outside of him, we can do no thing. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. See, our faith in him, right, will be the thing that will cause us to live for him. It will give us the power, right, to live for him every day of our lives. Our faith in him will strengthen us to live this life according to the spirit and not according to the flesh so that we can fight against this flesh. See, see you, you and I, we are a people who are to have a willing faith, willing to do the things that God has called us to do, willing to lay our lives down for the word of God so that our faith in Jesus will strengthen us to live according to the spirit of God. And it's absolutely amazing. And we need this because the, the flesh is weak, but the, the spirit is willing. And I got one, one story I wanna tell you today that I felt like the Lord gave me early this morning. And it's found in Luke chapter five. And it's in all synoptic gospels, the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, that's it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's in Luke chapter five and all three of them have it. It's a similar story in each one, a little bit different account in each one, but we're gonna look at Luke chapter five's account. And this is, this is what it says. And this is showing us what a willing faith looks like, what it looks like to be a people with a willing faith. 
And this is what it says. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, I love that. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. What that's saying is that the spirit of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Did you know this is the reason that we can do the works that Jesus did and even greater works than these will he do because he went to be with the Father and then send us the gift of the Holy Spirit to live within us and move through us. That the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave is to live inside of us. So the power of the Lord will be with us to heal the sick. Hear me. That should excite you, by the way. The power of the Lord will be with us. If we've got a willing faith, the power of the Lord will be with us to move through us to heal the sick. It's absolutely amazing. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. These guys would not take no for an answer. How about it? Wouldn't take no for an answer. Now, I want you to, to picture actually what is, what is taking place here, right? Because what these men do is absolutely wild to me. See, in this account, it says some men. In Mark's account, Mark chapter two, it says four men. So, so, so we know that there's four men that carry this paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, I like to see too what the scripture doesn't say right? Because there's things it just, it doesn't tell you about. It's not very descriptive on. And so what it doesn't say is, is how these four men had to get together and go to the paralyzed man's house and get him ready to take to Jesus. Because obviously he couldn't meet him somewhere, right? He couldn't, he couldn't meet him down on the city block, right? For them to pick him up. No, they had to go to his house. When they got to his house, they had to get him dressed because he couldn't dress himself. So they get him dressed, they get him all ready, and then after they do that, they got to put him on this stretcher. And once they get him on the stretcher, guess what? They all got to, they got to, they got to pick him up and start carrying him. Now, some theologians believe that he was from Judea or Jerusalem and they had to carry him to Galilee, which was about 50 some miles is what some of them believe. Now think about that. If they had to actually carry him, again, we don't know if that's true because it doesn't say that in the scripture, I can't find it anywhere. But that's what some of them say. We know that they came from all over because it said it earlier in the text. But, the, but whatever the case is, we know this, that to carry dead weight for however many miles, they would have had to stop a few times, right? Here, let's switch arms. They'd have walked to the other side, picked it up, took, I don't know, another 50 steps, Russie, and set it down, then walk to the other side, pick up the other side. They'd have to switch on and off, on and off until they finally got them to their destination. I mean, you got to picture, picture this. This is incredible to me. And, and what I want you to, to realize and what I'm simply trying to say in saying all that, how they switched hands and had to go get him dressed and then get him on the mat, then walk him however many miles to get him to Jesus is very simply this. They had to work. That's what they had to do. Like it didn't just happen. Like they didn't just snap their fingers and all of a sudden they were in front of, they were in front of Jesus. No, they had to put in the work to get to Jesus. 
And see, because they were willing to work, they had a willing faith. Because they were willing to put in the work, they had a willing faith. See, listen, some of us like to say we have a willing faith. Like, oh yeah, God, I'll I'll do whatever you tell me to do, right? Like, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. We like to say that. But are we actually willing to do that? I love this one. I have people will come to me and say, say, pastor, I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. Whatever you need help with, you just let me know and I got your back. And I'll say, oh, cool. Well, I need help in children's ministry. Well, that's not my gifting. <laughs> I, I don't feel called. <laughs> it's such Christian ease. I love it. I don't feel called to that brother. You know, now I went from pastor to brother real quick too. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't feel called to that, right? I didn't get a word from the Lord yet to, to go and help in children, which by the way, we do need help in community kids. If, I mean, while I'm here, I might as well say it. We need the help. I mean, that's why we're doing big church multiple times in the summer because people are on vacations. And so we, if you wanna help, we'd love to have you anyway, especially you men. But, but this is what, what, what takes place quite often. They're like, well, I'm waiting for a word from God to tell me to tell me what he wants me, me to do. And here's, here's my thing with it. See, sometimes God is waiting to see if you're willing to do the work before he will release the word. I'm telling you, sometimes God wants to see if you're willing to do the work and then he will release, he'll release the word. You know, it's funny because I'll have people come in over these past 10 years of pastoring. I've had several different Young people come in and tell me how they, they feel called to ministry, right? Full-time ministry. And they'll say things like, you know, God, you know, I, I believe God wants me to, to pastor a church. I want one like yours, right? And I'm real quick to remind them, this ain't my church. This is his church. Because the Bible says, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we want him to build the church, not, not us, not no people, him. But anyway, I want a church like yours, and so I say, okay, cool, that's, that's great, um, but are you involved in a church now? Well, not really, okay. Are you serving at any church? Are you working for any church at all? Are you going to your pastor saying, hey, do, what can I do for you? What work do you need done? Well, well, no, I'm not. Well, what are you waiting on? Well, I'm waiting on a word. Okay, well, I tell you, once you do some work, and watch God release the word. But it's funny how people, people don't wanna do that. They want the word before the work. But see, when we're willing to work, it shows we have a willing faith. God, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to do. See, some of the things that people don't realize in my journey of becoming a pastor, that for the first three years of full-time ministry, I was, I was in a men's recovery home. One of the years I was in the recovery home, two years I was working for the recovery home. And at this recovery home, you'd have anywhere between 12 and 15 men at any given time. And I was the director of it. And I had to clean the toilets every day. And listen, these men were less than sanitary. I'm just telling you, just a little bit, but I'd have to clean the toilets literally every day. Could I made them do it? Yeah, but God told me to do it. He said, I want you to do it. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do the work, but I'm gonna need you to release the word as soon as possible. But it, it, took, it took two whole years though. And I did it completely free. Every week I go grocery shopping for them, do their laundry, take them wherever they needed to go, do whatever that they needed done. 
And because God seen, I was willing to do whatever. I didn't care. God, I'll do anything. And it wasn't like I was doing it to get. I said, Lord, if you, since you set me free, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't care. I'll clean toilets. I'll do whatever. I just want to continue to live for you. See, if God sees we're willing to work and that we have a willing faith, he'll be willing to use us and speak a word over us. And see, these four men in this story, they, they, had, this, they had this willing faith, man. And they were willing to work for their friend on behalf of their, their friend that was paralyzed. And what I find wild is even after all, they do all that, right? They carry him however many miles, right? They switched arms however many times. They finally get to the place where Jesus is. And guess what? They can't get to him. They can't get to him. The crowd is so large, they can't get in and to see him. And I will guarantee you at this point in time, at least one out of the four would have been like, wait a minute, guys, we tried. Maybe we should just turn around. I mean, we walked this far, I sprained my ankle, right? I'd stubbed my big toe on a rock coming down the way. My sandal strap broke. My shoulder's killing me. Like, I, I think it's just time to go home. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'll guarantee it. It had to run through their mind. There was a part of them that obviously wanted to get into Jesus. But then there'd have been this other part of them like, man, I'm, I, their flesh is weak. And so they'd have been like, man, I think it's, it's time to go. We made a valiant effort, right? We got here. We made a valiant effort. And actually, it might have went as far as saying, well, because the crowd's so big and we can't get to Jesus, maybe it's God telling us it's not his will to heal this man. And, you know, I've, I've heard Christians say that after several times them come and get prayed for and they weren't healed. And they say, well, maybe it's God's will that I don't get healed. Well, I've, I've never liked going into the business to tell people what God's will and what God will isn't. What I know God's will is for our life is to believe in the power of prayer, to believe that the spirit of the Lord will be upon us to heal the sick. That's what we're to believe. And then from there, God will sift out the rest. Amen. But maybe they, they even took it that far because they couldn't get to Jesus. They're right, they're right there. See, I, I think this, man, I think sometimes it's real easy for us to quit if it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen immediately. I hear people say, well, because the road was so hard, it must not be God wanting me on this road. As if every, every road's gonna be perfectly straight when the, when the word of the Lord comes to us. When we're working for God, not everything is easy, church. It's just not. Matter of fact, I've found that it's really, really difficult most of the time. But man, we've gotta be willing. We must have a willing faith and be willing to do the work no matter how hard, no matter how hard the road is ahead of us and never give up. And these, and these, these men didn't give up when they, they seen the crowd, they didn't stop. I could just imagine them, they go and look for a window. They can't find a window. They go and look for a back door and there's no back door. Now, I wonder who came up with the idea. Let's just put him on the roof, right? Like, seriously, like who came up with that? Because it doesn't say they had a ladder. It doesn't say any of that. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't think about the roof. I think I'd go through the side of the house first, then on the roof. But they said, hey, let's, let's get him on the, on the roof. And I wonder how they got him up, right? Like, how did they get him up on the roof? It's dead weight. And Palestinian houses back then, they say were two stories tall, just an average house. And they were six feet each story. 
And so that had been 12 foot tall, okay? So how are they getting this dead weighted man up over onto the top of the house? Well, sometimes they did, somehow they did. And, and, they didn't, and they didn't quit there. They get him on the house and then they think, okay, how are we gonna get him down? They start busting through the ceiling to get to Jesus. They start ripping. See, these men weren't taking no for an answer. They were willing to do the work because they had a willing faith. If we can just get him to Jesus, our friend's life will be changed forever. They didn't doubt it. They didn't care who looked at him weird or funny about it. We're getting him to Jesus no matter the cost. They didn't have a rope or anything. I picture them taking off their cloaks and tying them together to make a rope and lowering this man down right in front of Jesus. And also what I love about this is Jesus doesn't even, doesn't even blink an eye or bat an eye at all the crap falling in his hair because they would have been right above him. And they're ripping the roof off and clay and all this crap is falling down, straw and dirt all down on Jesus. Doesn't even stop, doesn't miss a beat, just keeps preaching the word with power. And when they set him down in front of him, this is, this is what it says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith, hear me, not the man's who was paralyzed faith, no, no. When he seen their faith, the four men's faith, he looked at the paralyzed man and said, your sins are forgiven. Their faith, because they had a willing faith and they were willing to do the work, their faith was the thing that saved their friend. And it goes on to, to, say, to say this, verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew that they were what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Man, that's so gangster. Jesus, they didn't say anything. They just thought it. He's crushing them for the thoughts even that they have. It's wild. Listen, God knows every thought, knows everything that we're thinking. There's nothing you can hide from him. So you might as well be honest to him. Hear me. You might as well bear it to him. Lord, it's because he already knows. And Jesus, he says this, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and walk and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of all of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Because they were willing to do the work, his friends were. This man not only had his sins forgiven, but he had his body completely healed. He was completely made new. You know, the Bible is, is filled with men and women who who had a willing faith, men and women of God with a willing faith, right? Men like Moses, who, who was willing to, to set aside his palace. He left the palace in Egypt. He had a cushy life, a perfect life, but he left it. He had a willing faith to leave that behind, to do the work of God. Men like David, who was willing to fight Goliath, to fight the giant when no one else would, they were willing to trust God to do the work of God. And so the question for, for all of us today is, is this, do we have a willing faith? Will we be willing to do the work that God is, is calling us 
to do? Or do we think that Sunday morning faith is enough faith to live for Jesus? Hear me, Sunday morning's not enough. It's not enough faith to come in here, sing a couple songs, go home, and then rinse and repeat. It's not enough. It's not enough. You need Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning. You need seven days displaying your faith, getting in your word, getting on your knees, pressing into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you never know, your willing faith could be the thing that carries your friend to Jesus to transform his life forever or her life. And I don't know about any of you, there's times in my life where I'm weak and I need my brothers to pick me up and carry me to where I can't make it myself because I can't seem to get to that place God wants me to get. And so then my my friends around me help me and they pray for me and they say, brother, we're with you. See, that's what the church is to do for you. But it shouldn't just stop here. It's gotta follow you wherever you go, into the office, onto the job site, into the classroom. Church, we gotta have a willing faith so that we're willing to do the work, so that we press into him and do what he's called us to do. Come on and stand to your feet, please. Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. He says it right before he dies on the cross at Calvary. And what's happening at this exact same time is he is literally telling the father, father, you can do anything you wanna do. Take this cup from me. I don't wanna die. That's what he says. I don't wanna die. He was in such anguish. The Bible said he sweated blood, right? But I love what he ends the whole thing with. He says, but not my will, but your will. And because Jesus had a willing faith, willing to lay it all down, you and I now, you and I can be made right with our heavenly father. You and I can spend eternity in glory with him because Jesus had a willing faith. So the question is, do you have a willing faith? Are you willing to lay it all down in order to go after him? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Yeah, Jesus. Lord, I pray by your spirit that you would strengthen us Strengthen us to be able to battle against our flesh, Lord. Lord, strengthen us by your spirit to to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we can be filled. Let your spirit impart to us, oh God, the ability to do the work that you've called us to do, the strength to do the work you've called us to do. Lord, I lift up each and every person within the sound of my voice. I pray that today, God, we would be a people who would begin to get on our face, to get in the word, to do the work. I pray we would be the light in this dark world, that we would help those around us to come after you, Jesus. Let our faith be the example. Let our faith be the reason that you pour out your spirit in such a powerful way. Strengthen us today, I pray. In Jesus' name.
and all God's people said, amen. Church, we love you. We bless you. Man, leave here with a willing faith. Amen.